Hey everyone, this is Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera, available everywhere good podcasts are sold. I'm your party host, Dave Ryan, and I am joined by a full, packed panel tonight, just before we head into Game of the Year season here at Link to the Cast. First, he's a platforming prodigy. He's a man who has spent much of this week looking up uh, JPEGs for Game of the Year articles. He is Mark Robinson. Mark, how are you? Uh, I'm also a man who's more maybe, than likely... Maybe for this week, by the way, Mary Mark Robinson. I like that. See, I can't think of Twitter names. Why don't I just do that? It's so simple. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm also a man who's more than likely had his uh, New Year's trip to Holland uh, completely ruined by the Omicron variant. But um, say lovey. Uh, I'm good. I'm, I'm in good spirits, considering. Yeah, considering that, like, if if we travel back and told you five years ago that something called Omicron was going to ruin a New Year's trip for you, you would have assumed, like, um, it would be a kaiju or transformer situation. Um, I, I so, would think it was like an end of game Final Fantasy boss. Yeah. Um, joining us as well, he uh, he's not the total package, but he is, in fact, a package. It's Jolly Jack Lazelle. Yep, yep, yep. Going guys, what's what's up? What's going down? Um, I think my favorite thing I've seen so far commentary of Twitter is that somebody put, Oh, if you take Delta and then Omicron and then you mix all the words together, it spells out media control. And I'm like, I'm like, I wonder if the Greeks, (laughs) right, 3,000 years ago when they were when they were comprising the (laughs) letters that were going into the alphabet thought, you know what, in 2021, when conspiracy theories are all the rage, people are going to die for this shit when we put Delta and Omicron (laughs) together. Ancient Greeks, like we're going to fuck them up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I tell you what, (laughs) and I don't want to hear any commentary on Delta or Omicron unless you're fucking Socratic method, all right? And you're a philosopher from the ancient greek ages there was a there was a retweet from lord ashcroft um that had like just can i just confirm it's lord and not richard of the verve no it is lord okay it is lord ashcroft and he's got like you know media control and he's got delta um omicron and the one of the first tweets underneath has got lord ashcroft and underneath it's got dr fart school so you know (laughs) i dr fart school sounds like a a a japanese game that you probably wouldn't want to (laughs) play But, gentlemen, we are not alone on this program. Uh, to kick things off, we have a big king-size announcement heading into 2022. Gentlemen, three have become four. We have a new permanent host on the show. He is, nickname pending, Garrett Kidney. <laughs> I was going to ask, that was my first thing. It's like, when do I get a nickname? That's the most important part, right? Yeah, I was trying to think of it early on, earlier on today, and then, as I so often do, got distracted by something shiny. So, nickname pending. <laughs> Maybe nickname how pending gi- will become a bit now. <laughs> how about how about gifting Garrett kidney? Gifting Garrett, yeah, for a seasonal yeah. one, yeah. Or gingerbread yeah. Garrett ki- kidney. I yeah, mean. I was trying to work in a Christmas garland one, but then just yeah. I, I, I bailed garland. out of it like a coward at the last second. Like garland kidney? Yeah, but gif- gifting works on two levels because uh, you know half of his Twitter account is made up of posting different gifts from old TNA episodes. Yeah, yeah. I will say gifting Garrett Kidney is slightly too close to gifted Glenglaberti, and I'm not pleased with that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, well, you're you're also gifting us with your presence now on uh-huh. the show, Garrett. So hey, uh-huh. so uh, officially welcome to the cast as a as as a full time member. Um, yeah, how you doing, buddy? 
First, I'd like to apologize in advance if you're one of the people who's like, I've ruined the show, which just preemptively, I'm getting out in front of it as the new fourth guy. It's like, the <laughs> dynamic isn't the same anymore. Yeah. Well, you know, I've been hearing complaints left, right and centre. They say, link to the cast, great show, too many Brits. So <laughs> <laughs> we've been extensively recruiting to even up that ratio this year. But Mark, kind of, haven't you got Irish citizenship now, though? So isn't it just like... No, I, I'm still about a year away from that being the the case. Yeah, I see. All right. Well, so when Mark becomes... It takes I- a while. It takes an intensive course of treatment. When Mark uh, becomes Irish, I'm going to get Sean McGee and, I don't know, Matt Biggs, my friend Matt Biggs on the show. Just uh, hey. uh, Yes. Notoriously <laughs> patriotic Brit, Sean McGee. Yeah. I- <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, Matt's not particularly patriotic either. I mean, I just want Sean on the show to bury Barry and Biggs to bury Mark. And and they will do that. Yeah, yeah that, that they will do brand. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but hey, Garrett, welcome to the show, um, to the this fucking cavalcade of nonsense. And I, w- I wouldn't worry too much about uh, you ruining the show. Some would say the, the idea of starting the show in the first place with me and Mark was enough to ruin the show. Um, so you're in fine company here, pal. Um, how has your week been? Let's let's kick it off with you as, as the newbie. Uh, it's uneventful. Nothing happened. Nothing happens now. Well, uh, let's be fair. Half the country shutting down again. But other than yeah. that, nothing. Nothing's happened, and everything's fine. And we're all just, you know, considering. <laughs> like when Mark ended his sentence, it's like, oh, not too bad. Considering that's that's like the state of the world. You just have to add the considering at the end, and we're all like, oh, you know. It is. It is like in general how I kind of live my life at the moment. Just uh, in in the grand scheme of things, with perspective, I'm okay. And um, I think that's what's kind of keeping me sane at the moment. Yeah, there yeah. are ways, very clear ways, in which it could be worse, and it's not. So we'll take yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I, it's like, I look at it this year, and I'm just like, I'm sort of able to go outside and do some things, depending on what time it is, <laughs> which I guess is, <laughs> I, is a I'm marginal just, improvement. I'm wondering at like what point does it get to, well, I still have both my legs, so I guess I'm all good. Yeah. God, that's going to be like a chilling comment on the podcast to look back on if that ever changes. <laughs> God, it all it all went south for Mark when he said, at least I still have both his legs. Who knew later that night when he was playing with his wheat thresher in the living room? Is this all leading to Mark climbing a bell tower with a rifle at some point? <laughs> well, I am planning, still planning to get the, uh, the Nintendo... Um the uh what the hell is it called the Wii nintendo oh, sniper rifle no the, the, <laughs> the jolliest product they just have the, the, just the duck hunt light gun the, <laughs> the, the zap the fit game what the hell is it called i can't remember ring fit ring, ring fit. fit that's the one ring yeah. fit adventure yeah um so maybe if i do like 50 squats in a row my leg will fall yeah. off which probably could happen yeah. I, you know, we said it at the time, but I, I, I think about it more and more since I got the Ring Fit, which I actually need to get back to because I was quite enjoying it. Um, Isn't that a case when like it comes they, to anything to do with exercise? I should probably they, get back to it. Yeah, they really didn't think through the marketing of using the word ring aggressively in Ireland. <laughs> Well, at least it's not Hoop Fit Adventure. Yeah, oh no, if it had been Hoop Fit, we were all in trouble then. The amount of times I've seen Ring Fit Adventure and in my head just read Ring Peace Adventure yeah. is, is numerous. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. 
the amount of times in that game that it tells you to like like squeeze yeah. your ring is uh, like it's it's borderline. I don't think that one is me. island specific, mate. I think that uh, I think ring ring oh. piece and anything to do with that. I think that's pretty universal. In- oh, good. So, you, so you share welcome to the show, Garrett. You've seen what the floor is. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah, this is your chance yeah. to back in. Was the last time you had a ring piece adventure, Garrett? <laughs> <laughs> I have a ring piece adventure every day. I have ring fit, so yes, oh, I do. Stuff. Oh, what do you? Because the other two guys don't don't have it. What what do you think of of ring fit adventure? It's a deeply mean game. Like yeah. all of the workout games ever made are like ah, you know, it's like ninety percent game, ten percent exercise. And this one's like nope, we're ninety percent exercise, ten percent game. We're just gonna yeah. kick your ass. We're gonna make you do like four squats and you'll die. And then. Yeah. You just sit there wondering what the hell led you to this point that a Nintendo video game is making you feel this way. I was really surprised, like, when I opened it, and it is just, like, it is the kind of, like, elastic plastic hoop and the, like, the the straps that you put the Joy-Cons into. I was like, how intense of an exercise can you possibly get out of something like this? And, like, I did, I was like, oh, I'll easily do 45 minutes on this the first time. By the end of 45 minutes, I was blown up <laughs> like I'd just gone Broadway in the territories. Like, I, oh, my God, I was, like, I just hobbling into bed after it. Um, it's, like, surprisingly intense. Um, and it's good. Again, like... Not even just for the, you know, the lockdown of it all, because obviously loads of people, myself included, went and got it when we got locked down last year. But I think even just for the way kind of everybody's lives now are, you know, so busy and like whether you're working at home or you kind of don't have the time to hit the gym on the way home, like it's not necessarily... um a great substitute as 100% of your 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 health and exercise regimen but like it really does a surprisingly good job i think um the only thing in terms of it being mean garrett the main thing i'd agree with is that briefly incorrectly i decided i was going to set the daily reminders on it when i was setting it up <laughs> and that shit is like it, that puts duolingo to shame that thing because <laughs> what it does is even if your switch is off and you're nowhere near it it will go off like a vibrating alarm clock in the dock what that, yeah yeah you said the switch could do that yeah it overrides the switch controls turns itself on and starts vibrating that is amazing yeah, no, it is a cool piece of technology, but Jesus Christ, is it uh, an annoying guilt trip? I want it to uh, also be able to like turn the TV on and like t- walk the TV into your bedroom, like just do get, the actual the fuck out of bed, do the actual aerobics exercise for me. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be like you know that uh, you know that the, the horror movie we've mentioned oftentimes on the show, Rubber, about the tire. The, yeah. the tire that kills people, and it's just the ring fit ring just rolling out of my <laughs> office across the landing. <laughs> what a horrifying visage that is! <laughs> oh dear. Tell you, look, if we, do you know, if the subscriber count keeps going up on YouTube, I'm not saying we'll make short films based on a murderous ring fish <laughs> accessory. But Got to give the people what they want. I'm not real yeah. now. Um, how has your week been, Jack? Because like things are getting a bit weird over there. Like you haven't gone into a, a curfew bit. like we have, but all the football's just getting cancelled. Yeah. Because it, se- it seems like a footballer and having COVID is going hand in hand at the moment. Yeah, that was, there. I mean, it's quite odd. I was at a game on Thursday, which was like one of about three, I think, that they actually decided to play, which we, based on, I think we, I think my my team had like four or five positive COVID cases coming into the game. So we really could have, you know, dealt with it being called off. But yeah, um, I think it's just, 
it is what it is. I think the reason that there's no lockdown is probably more to do with commerce and retail and stuff like that. Um, just wanting to get the money in before Christmas and the government not wanting to sink the economy because it's the golden quarter or whatever. And uh, I think probably see some sort of lockdown or circuit breakery type thing. Like I had my work Christmas party the other day, which started off as like, you know, a big drink staying in a bar with like 40 or 50 people going which was negotiated down to a quiet meal which was negotiated down to a room booked out at work that everyone could go to and then ultimately ended up as a team's quiz (laughs) which i did a couple of the rounds for because um i don't think people wanted me in the quiz um because i would obviously destroy everyone um because you know how i am with quizzes right dave yes similar to myself totally normal behavior well, actually, no. Uh, similar to myself in terms of enjoying a quiz, but definitely disproportionately competitive relative to me and most yeah. humans. See, we've got Garrett on here now, so that opens up more quizzing possibilities. Oh, God. Am I just here to be your, like, quiz lackey, where you're going to challenge me to quizzes and beat me just for pride? Exactly. Don't indulge him, Garrett. Don't, he'll lead you down a dark path of quizzes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a Just good place to be. Warning you advance to up your knowledge yeah. on uh, and you'll be, you'll be alternative his, music from the yeah, early 2000s. You'll be his best quiz friend until the first time you beat him at a quiz, and then it's just, oh, shit's going to kick off. I thought Dave was going to beat me at a new metal quiz the other week, Garrett, and honestly, for, for the moments I was losing the quiz, <laughs> I haven't felt lower <laughs> in months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not only in a new metal quiz, but a new metal quiz where from the start I assured everybody I was guessing blind and most of the answers and still winning <laughs> absolutely female oh good times, okay. good the, times the first course. one I, the first one i do will be exclusively about 2005 tna impact i think garrett might be maybe in the box seat for that but yeah, I'll, I'll give it a bash uh oh no I've, I've never watched any of that what makes you think i've watched any of something, that something <laughs> something samoa joe uh mark you haven't seen Anton this week. No, I, I have, but I realised there was no point like spending 10 minutes talking about Dragon Ball Z abridged. So, <laughs> you know, as great, as great as Dragon Ball Z abridged is, um, there are probably kind of quieter weeks that we can talk about it. Yeah. So, can I just say, you, you know, like, Mark, it's it's one of your, your classic, the classic hallmarks of the Robinson brand that, like, you're not big into the party atmospheres or the large crowds or anything like that, even before, you know, the world ended. Um, I remember one of the first handful of times I met you when we were hanging out in Gin Palace, which was like the the go-to place for, for some of our mates, uh, like the, the zigs of the world. Um, and you were kind of in the corner of our table while we were all eating and, and, and chatting and stuff like that, and you quite happily had your phone propped up watching Dragon Ball Z abridged in the pub. <laughs> that's all right. I've been, I have I've no been in recollection pubs. of this, but okay, I believe it. Mark, remember that's, when we that's were That's where in... I first heard of it, was you telling me that it existed, right. and then you kind of reminded yourself how much you enjoyed it, and then just, just started watching it. <laughs> It's, it's, it's been worse, Dave. He's been in pubs in central London watching New Japan Pro Wrestling on his phone before and ignoring everybody. Yeah, no, we were at... Uh, With headphones the- in as well. No, no, do you remember, Mark, we were at friend of the show Keith Brony's gig and while he was setting up, we were playing Switch and also uh, watching... Do you remember that pay-per-view that got... Um, where Kurt Angle returned with the How Do You Do Fellow Shields? Oh, yeah, that was like a TLC pay-per-view. Yeah, when the meningitis outbreak happened. Yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we were watching all that <laughs> live from Brony's gig while he was setting up. 
uh, there was one time as well. Um, we was in central London, and I can't remember who it was. I think I don't know if it was like uh, one of Niner's girlfriends at the time just was annoying me, or maybe it was one of Biggs's girlfriends. Someone was there who was just particularly annoying me, so I just stuck my headphones in and started listening to Nine Inch Nails, and just <laughs> like very obviously not wanting to be there. Yeah. Yeah. So, sounds about right. I am a nice person, honestly. I just don't like being around people a lot of the time. <laughs> really? <laughs> like, you wait, should be happy for the pandemic, though. though. I, honestly, I've said many times the pandemic has, of of the people in the world it has impacted me the least. In some ways, it's made my life <laughs> you, better. Yeah. You've just proceeded the way you would have done anyway, ignoring More people for most of <laughs> Just less traveling to work. Um, but looking at this run sheet of things we've seen... I'm thinking the first thing we got to talk about, trying to stay too spoiler free, because I know it's only been out a few days. And I um, still haven't seen it yet. Is is, is the Spider-Man. Uh, myself, Jack and Garrett have all seen um, the new Spider-Man, No Way Home. Um, and it's interesting because I've seen some takes where like uh, people really aren't liking it. I've seen some takes where people are completely bowled over by it. Um, I know I had a lot of fun watching this movie and it's probably because like maybe every 90 seconds to two minutes, the, uh, <laughs> the fan service dopamine receptors are being pummeled to bits. Um, but you know what? Sometimes I- I'm just here for that. And kind of between that and how much I've been enjoying Hawkeye, um, I kind of just like, I was in a good mood for this and I really enjoyed that. And it was also the first film I'd been to since before the pandemic that like, huge crowds of people in the cinema were audibly reacting to things um which is like i don't think i'd had that since endgame um but what did you guys think of it uh jack what about you yeah i mean in my screen and there were probably like 10 cheering out loud moments in it it was it was awesome um just felt like a really yeah it just felt like a really great positive atmosphere and like you said it is very fan servicey i mean i'm gonna try my best to not say anything that gives anything <laughs> it's away. hard to construct complete sentences about this film <laughs> without spoiling stuff it really is because the the best moments are the things that really that you feel like you want to spoil um mm. but it kind of sets up so the premise that you've kind of seen from the trailer and the bits and pieces is set up pretty early in the movie and that's kind of the first half of the movie and then for reasons they show you pretty much nothing from the back half of this movie right And the back half of this movie kicks ass. It is just moment after moment of just really fun, awesome stuff, like really well delivered. And, you know, it is very much like, hey, remember this thing? Yeah, we're going to pay this off now. Or, hey, we're going to reference this or whatever. So I could see how people that kind of haven't watched any spider-man movies or you know aren't invested in the mcu would watch this movie and just think well the content here is pathetic like it's kind of like you know where you know maybe you go out with your missus or whatever in our work lot and they're all talking about stories from work and everyone's enjoying the hell out of it and you're sat there like i don't know any of these stories i don't know any of these people but everyone's laughing so i'm just gonna smile and nod along and then you come home and she's like oh that was a great evening and in my head i'm just like 
oh man i was so bored i i didn't really know what was going on and i'm just i just kind of felt generally alienated and then i put my headphones in and listened to nine shells no mm-hmm. um but yeah it's kind of like that i feel like that's the only way that you wouldn't maybe enjoy it is if you had no general connection and you hadn't really had any previous spider-man or mcu kind of takes yeah. or feelings or- or I guess if you're one of the people that's on the super burnt out end of the scale, uh, from the the, the yeah. all encompassing marvelness of everything. And I don't um, blame those people either because yeah. it's just been like a hammer blow of content. Now we've got Since all the two thousand and eight. Yeah, but now we've got all the T V shows. It's like if you do something four times a year, that might be too much for some people. So if we're getting four Marvel movies a year, that's probably some people they're probably like, oh that's exhausting. But then if if you're paid as somebody to cover, you know, all of the Marvel content and you're paid to cover all of the TV shows, you know, there's one that drops like every eight weeks now or whatever it is. And you've got all of that as well as having to sit through the fucking Eternals again. Or so (laughs) you you can see why it would grate on people. That's that's just going to say as well that like, not only is it like um, the TV stuff, but normally, yeah, you get like the three Marvel movies a year, but this is like the third one since August. Yeah. They've been coming Uh, thick and fast. And that's not including if you went to see, like, the Suicide Squad and, and stuff like that and Venom, Let There Be Carnage and different other comic book properties. Yeah. I suppose that's where I'll, I'll pass over to Garrett because, uh, like, myself and Jack, you know, we, we kind of know each other's where our exhaustion levels are with Marvel. Like, how how have you been with the 2021 content? Like, is it is it doing anything for you? And, and then going into spider-man how was that experience like i'm probably one of those people who's not quite burnt out but i am bordering on it like i like wandavision a lot i like loki a lot i thought falcon and winter soldier was kind of bad and i think hawkeye's pretty good it's like for me like perfectly acceptable enjoyable tv but nothing special yeah and i yeah. i haven't liked most of the movies like black widow ugh, eternals ugh. so and like even this very film i was burned out on because of just like the relentless marketing campaign and speculation that has been going on for what feels like two years now. It's every day. It's like, oh, look at this new screenshot from the new Spider-Man movie. It's like, no, I just want to yeah. see the movie. I'm excited for this movie. Just let me see the movie. I, it also gave me some, I don't know if you were the same, Garrett, but it gave me like some anxiety going into it. Because like, I feel the ones that Marvel like over egg the advertisement on are the ones I usually like less mm. you know they were really overdoing it on Eternals for example so when they were really bombarding people for months with you know Spider-Man is coming Spider-Man is coming and for ages it was like we're not telling you when but it is coming um, I, I was coming into it going god this this might be bad yeah, and like every week there's a new Tom Holland interview that's like this is the biggest movie you've ever seen in the history of existence and I'm like like, I'm excited for this movie. I was excited going in just based on the premise of the movie, but, like, the marketing of the movie almost made me resent it. But, like, I, I like this. I don't think it's a good movie. Like, it is one of those movies that if you, like, really scratched at the surface of, like, the characterization and the plot and the story and, like, the actual mechanics of it as a, a piece of filmmaking, it's probably not great, which is the reason, I think, if people have no connection to these characters and they go in to just watch this as a Spider-Man story that they have no, like investment in they will probably there's nothing there for them honestly and like if you're anybody else there's everything there in this movie for you so you're just like sitting there being like oh geez it's alfred molina 
and Willem Dafoe and it's like the two Raimi villains bouncing off each other it's like oh look at these people in this movie talking to each other but they died in their other movies so they could never talk to each other so like all that stuff is really really cool there there was a little bit of me watching it like every time there wasn't an old character on the screen part of my brain was like I don't want to hang out with Zendaya for another scene I, I just want Alfred Molina chewing scenery but yeah, I think this movie, this movie will give exactly what people want from it. Like that's that's what the movie is designed to it, do. It's it's kind of like um, a much better executed idea of the what if premise. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because like what it is, it's fodder for one fan service and two, like people having the discussion on the way out of the cinema is like, does this mean you know we can do this in another movie? You know how cool was this thing? Did you remember that reference to this uh, and stuff like that? Um, and yeah, you know you're, you're dead right. Like I, when you're talking about it not being a very good actual film, um, I think of uh, Barry had a tweet there recently where it's like, with the combined box office of these Spider-Man Spider-Man films, uh, John Watts is his name, isn't it? Is like bordering on being the, one of the most prolific directors of his generation. And the only thing you can nail down about the guy's directorial style is usually has Spider-Man in his films. <laughs> <laughs> Even the fact that you're like, that's his name, right? <laughs> this yeah. dude has directed three yeah. of the biggest movies. And like this movie is going to be humongous. It's already over, like the box office figures over the first weekend, which I think is a combination of like spoiler fear and probably a little bit of fear of like maybe cinemas will close before I have a chance to see it. So let's all rush out and see it in the next weekend. But mm-hmm. it, like it's going to be a humongous movie. And like, yeah, like what's his visual aesthetic? It's just like Marvel movie, I guess. That's that's like the visual aesthetic of this movie. It's Marvel. Yeah. I, I, I will say the one thing I was thankful for of the Marvel tropes that like um I didn't see as much in this is that kind of like washed out color palette they've all started to have like uniform uh between them all. I felt like colors popped a bit more than they have in the last few of these, particularly like I was so disappointed when I went to see Eternals that like, that's a movie that has like a bunch of freaky characters doing weird shit. I want my, my colors to pop in that movie and to have like rich textures that I can enjoy looking at. And it fucking did nothing for me. But Um, I think like, if you watch the other John Watts directed Spider-Man movies, they all kind of do have that color palette of, of like popping out. Like, you know, for the first one, when he's, um, part of the um it's like the the is it like a quiz team or well, i can't remember what they are like a academics team and they're wearing yeah. like the bright yellow jackets and stuff so he's got like the bright yellow jacket with like the bright red and blue spider-man costume kind of like mixed together and he's wearing it and stuff so like those things all jump out and i think visually that the style is almost more kid friendly than the other ones yeah. Like, and, and you can tell like how much time they spend on the credits with like the notebooks and the drawings and stuff like that. So the general aesthetic of the thing is really, really cool, the way they lay it out. But you're so right on Eternals. Like, it was grim to look at. It felt like that phase of the sort of, you know, Gears of War era of, 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 of games where everything was like brown and grey. And, and taking somebody in Chloe Zhao who had literally just won an Academy Award for directing and just squashing any hint of like creative freedom out of that movie yeah. is just like depressing. Yeah, and um, she made a very, 
very different movie to that yeah. um to to be the one that like kind of you know got the oscar and it just seemed like an odd choice but it's like they kind of take people don't they when they're kind of young and not commanding that huge of a fee which is why you'll never see like a massive name director really pick up the reins on any marvel movie because they just want they want i mean we, we are leading into a sam raimi doctor strange but yeah i get like generally speaking you are dead right we did yeah. have kenneth branagh doing thor originally okay oh, yes, kenneth branagh yes but that was i think so kenneth branagh his thing with it at that point there wasn't really an mcu was there so they didn't have they, they were trying to kick it off and they were giving the creative control to the creator at that point, to the director. Yeah, because they, w- they had already signed Edgar Wright at that point for the yeah. long gestating Ant-Man. He got kicked off. of. And then as they Ant-Man. sort of started to colour in how they wanted to expand the MCU and how they wanted to tie everything together, you started seeing less creative control for the directors and more of a rigid sort of Marvel structure cookie cutter of how the films yeah. were going to roll. Yeah. Um, can I say as well, just to direct us back onto Spider-Man, um, something we can say, um, because it's in all the trailers. Somebody got is, mad at me on Twitter this week, Dave, for saying, like, there's returning characters in this movie. It's like, there's five of them in the trailer. For God's sake, on the poster as well. <laughs> well, we'll just have to, we'll just have to uh, draw the ire of those pedants. Like, e- uh, even there, what I was saying is like, oh, two characters that are in the trailer talk to each other, like Alfred Molina and, yeah. and, and well, in the phone, it's like, well, people get mad at me for that. It's like these two movie people who have been advertised for in, for this movie are in the movie and at one stage share scenes with one another. That is probably like too much for some people, which is bizarre. By the I, way, I think, how great was crazy Willem Dafoe? Oh, well, this, he's this, the this, best. He's the this best. Is what I was, was going to say, it, it, the film vindicates... Um, all the people who have been saying for many, many years that uh, Willem Dafoe and Alfred Molina are two of the best um, comic book villains of the modern age. Oh, yeah. Without you're question, on, I would say. You're on mute, Mark. Yeah, I've just realised that. Uh, can I just add to that? Because I watched um, the, the Lighthouse uh, last weekend, yeah. and he's borderline like a comic book villain in that, like, just chewing scenery oh. in ways that that's what he does yeah. you know it's incredible like and Robert Patterson was pretty good in that as well but fuck me Willem Dafoe but you uh, you get the range of Willem Dafoe in this movie like so you get like the sort of confused like you know really sort of naked to his his own um, mortality Norman Osborn versus the green goblin like that you get in the original spider-man movies obviously again not giving it's not giving anything away because it's like that's that's the character right so he's not going to change up how he's portrayed a character from a previous movie and he really doesn't but you spend so long with like the maudlin norman osborne right so when the switch eventually flips again not giving anything away and you get crazy Willem Dafoe back it's just it's just yeah. one of many moments in the film and one that I can actually reference that I popped huge for as when he when he yeah. does his his heel turn uh, in an yeah. apartment building somewhere can, can I just say um as well that like <laughs> you want to talk about like facially expressive actors oh. <laughs> like, i mean it's it's s tier stuff from yeah. from big willem and and huge respect to the man as well that um 
there was a thing going around on, tw- on Twitter this week from one of his interviews that apparently he absolutely insisted that he would only return to the role at some 62 years of age if he could do his stunts himself. Yep. And uh, there is one of the stunts that he does in this movie that is incredibly pro wrestling friendly, and I will I will there, say no more. There's at least three actual pro wrestling high spots. Yep. Uh, there's a fight in, scene in that is movie. literally just pro wrestling high just, spots. Just, honestly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. It, it, and, and look, all I'm just gonna say is that uh, you know, Arn Anderson maybe has a legal case uh <laughs> against <laughs> the makers of Spider Man for gimmick infringement. Holly Race as well, I think, and not just because people had guns in the movie. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, we'll move on from Spider Man because I I think we've danced around the 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 non spoilery stuff as much as we can. Recommend to have thumbs up, it. right? Yeah, big recommend. I think you're gonna have a hoot. Like, um, it's a great kind of popcorn cinema experience. Might be the last one you get for a little while, uh, depending on where you live. Who knows? We're all gonna um, desperately get in to see Matrix, and then it's fine. You know, you can shut it down till February. Then once we all get to see Matrix. I, I, Oh, Garrett, as soon as they start announcing the curfew, I was like, right, I'm booking the earliest show in Matrix <laughs> Resurrections next week I can find because I know everybody else is going to be thinking that. Um, you guys not, not ready for the King's Man, the new Kingsman movie coming out on Boxing I, Day? Oh my God, the amount of, like, this is dog shit reviews I've seen. <laughs> yeah, it looks... When it's like, I, there was one that was like, even Ray Fiennes couldn't save this. Yeah. I mean, Ray Fine's paycheck, they must have backed a fucking truck of money up to his house to get him to do that shit. I'm actually excited because there's a couple of good... They, they Because of um, this curfew, they've actually moved uh, some of the uh, films I want to see post-Christmas into like more reasonable hours for me to get in and out of Dublin. So the Lighthouse are doing both... Uh, licorice pizza and the new macbeth movie with denzel washington like mid-afternoon over the christmas period yeah. uh so i'm excited to see both of those um but hey um two things i've been watching that i i want to do recommends for the first one is um i know we've talked about him before on the show but the youtuber super eye patch wolf uh, did a nearly two hour video about uh garfield fan culture blimey I I don't know. Have any of you guys seen this? I I have not. No. Um. The only Garfield thing that I've seen is that thing you forwarded me the other day of yeah, someone drawing that's every ice. Pokemon as a Garfield, <laughs> and it is so yeah. hideous. Yeah. So basically, like, I was interested immediately because I was like, I know the guy behind the channel is a giant bomb fan and i was like i wonder if he can get through this whole thing without referencing how like gersman got really into garfield a couple of years ago um but it like it's interesting because it's one part looking at how garfield has become a branding monster to the fact that uh, to the tune of nearly like a billion dollars in merchandise every year for garfield um, but also like the strange undertones and subcultures that have both ironically and not ironically popped up around Garfield. And one of the things he finds in the video was that thing I sent you, which is a, a Tumblr blog called Garfamon, which every single day attempts to hideously contort the figure of Garfield into a different Pokemon. Um, I like I some of it. them. I hate it so much. <laughs> I hate everything about it, and I never want to see it again. But like, even stuff like so. There's um, 
there's a subreddit that looks like on the face of it because it's called something like uh, you know r slash alzheimer's support or something like that and all it is is this in joke of people posting the same Garfield three panel strip over and over again and everybody in the subreddit acting like it's the first time they've seen it <laughs> and they've been doing this for years <laughs> like Mark's gone <laughs> I- you're, you're on mute again pal you're having an absolute shocker here. God damn it. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at the uh, the Garfman. I'm on the, the blog. I'm looking through... <laughs> Garfman. No, I'm yeah. looking through Garfman. Guys, yeah. don't a, look at a... Garfman. Just no. save yourself. No, I'm absolutely t- looking at Garfman, though. Oh, it's just <laughs> he ta- horrible. He talks about that. He talks about the one I had always heard of was... Garrett scrolling was, straight uh, to Badoo for one. Oh, God, was- I saw Pelipper first. That's disgusting. <laughs> it's hideous, isn't it? <laughs> it's so disgraceful. All right, I'm going to search there- Garfamon Bidoof. This is the most important thing I need to know. What is there a Garfamon Whale Lord? Oh, there doesn't oh, seem Christ. to be a Bidoof. I'm, 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 on, I'm on Garfamon Wobbuffet, and it's pretty great, actually. <laughs> Dude, the, the Garfamon Tyranitar will haunt my dreams forever, by the way. <laughs> That should be your next quiz, Jack, is, like, on Zoom when we're recording this, like, put up a, p- a picture of a Garfamon and we have to figure out which Pokemon it is. <laughs> Who's that Garfamon? I mean, now, that is, that's how we beat Garrett's YouTube channel right there, is we, yeah. we do that that's shit. Content. That's content, son. Oh, God, uh, the Nuzleaf with the eyes and the feet. I, oh. I know. It's hideous. Garrett, I warned you. I said how bad it was. Just... It's, Take yourself off the site. I can't stop scrolling, so- Jack. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so the one, the one kind of like in like internet like a memification of Garfield I had heard about was that there's a long running web comic which is called Garfield without Garfield, and it's like this guy has gone in and shopped everybody but John out of the Garfield strips and it just shows what like a lonely and depressed man John is because something but something it draws into perspective is that Garfield speaks in thoughtables so John is never having a conversation with Garfield he's talking to himself while his cat is there he can't hear what Garfield is saying or thinking you know so like removing Garfield or or Odie or, or whoever from it you know, it it draws that into into stark contrast, and then like, oh my god, I I really don't want to ruin it because like Garfamon is the tip of the disturbing iceberg. There are subreddits and communities online that have turned Garfield into this like Lovecraftian horror. Oh god, <laughs> yeah, it's look honestly. I know it's it's incredibly off-putting on the face of it, like a man talking about Garfield fan culture for two hours, but I was like, I'll stick this on for ten minutes while I'm having a sandwich the other day, and I was fucking riveted to my chair for two hours. Like, I had stuff to do that I should have been <laughs> doing that I put off to watch the stupid fucking Garfield video. God. It is transcendently weird. I, I can't even tell you how many times I've thought that about YouTube, where I'm like, I could be doing so many other things with my life, but yeah. here I am. But that's what, like, that's his YouTube channel is great for it deep is. dives like that. He yeah. has a great one on, like, the real world of fake psychics and stuff like that. And, yeah, it, this is him, like, goes into, like, I think he's saying in his research, he read, like, I think somewhere around a thousand Garfield strips and broke them down statistically into what the kind of humor in each one was, which I know is appealing to your stats brain immediately. I just, yeah, here's the thing. I like 
statistics and numbers and stuff, but that sounds kind of soul destroying to accumulate that data. The man was the man was absolutely and conclusively broken about halfway through this video. Yeah. Um gone. I just need to point out I've scrolled far enough that I found the original Garfmon designs. Yeah. This person took a break from making Garfmon based on Pokemon to make their own Garfamon, original Garfamon designs. <laughs> <laughs> so there's like Garfaboo, which is like Pookie poking out of the head of Garfield as a ghost. <laughs> I'm just like, yep, I, I, I can't question it. So, so is it like, there is there like a, a huge Garfamon fan community that were just like no fucker play the hits that's all we want i really hope somebody made because like pokemon modding has a huge subculture of its own i hope people yeah. made a pokemon mod with the garfamon <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you think like do you think in the garfamon community uh the guy starting to do original garfamon is their equivalent to like when dylan plugged in <laughs> <laughs> It's just this massive betrayal. Or like when Green Day signed to a major label. It's like, oh man, it used to all be about the Garfamon. Dude, how was a blog about Garfamon now turned into the Garfamon community for you? <laughs> oh, and it is a community, Jack. <laughs> I feel like the community, community is this podcast. <laughs> you love it. I hate it. Garrett, I'm Garrett on board. hates that he loves it. I'm, I'm, I'm upset, but I'm on board. Mar- looking at Mark in his window, he's vacillating between wildly entertained and marginally disturbed. <laughs> he's on mute. That's now. how he lives he's life. Just, he's just been discombobulated. Just don't turn your on? mic off, you massive what? piece. I, I, uh, I know he'll gone off the deep end. You if he massive starts, ring fit. I know he'll gone off the deep end if he starts doing Digimon variants. Of oh this. my god! I need Terriermon rendered as Garfield immediately. Digifield. <laughs> Digital Garfields. Oh my oh word. Oh god, they get more hideous. <laughs> yeah. Why Way does the milk tank have John nipples? Dude, dude no! I honestly that that was the one where I just flat out closed the page. I was like, I can't do this anymore. It's Garfield as Miltank and the nipples are smiling Johns. John's. Yep. <laughs> I was like, this, I don't even know what. I feel like I was going to appear on a register, Dave, because the thing is, you sent that to me while I was at work, so I clicked And I didn't, and if I remember rightly, I didn't say anything. No, you just put the link back. (laughs) Then logged out and went about my day. Absolute bastard. Like, I'm glad that I clicked that link as I'm working from home. Can you imagine me being in the office? And seeing that mill tank. <laughs> Looking at John from Garfield as nipples. I, I just need to decide which one of these I'm going to tweet on the, the link to the cast. Actually, the one of, um, the one of, of uh, Slowpoke um, is particularly haunting. I mean, oh Miltank is the worst one. Miltank and, and, and Tyranitar. <laughs> yeah, Miltank you can't just put on the timeline. <laughs> no, because is it... Wait, which one is the evolution? Is it Slowpoke or Slowbro? Bro. Slowbro. Bro. Right. So Slowbro is... It's Garfield as, you know, Slowpoke, but then John is the cloister of shoulder <laughs> chomping yeah. on the tail. <laughs> no. I shall be tweeting that one out shortly. <laughs> I just... I, you're all this terrible. This has panned out way better than I expected. 
all of you people are terrible. <laughs> no, I'm just going to make a massive tonal shift now and talk about the other show I've been watching this week. I'll watch it in its entirety. Uh, it's one that I've heard mentioned um, on Reaction Shots, which is the Easy Allies uh, movie and TV podcast. And it's kind of like I have a running list because their recommendations are usually spot on. So like I have a running list on my phone of stuff that I really need to get to. And I was like, oh, I'm going to try this finally because I noticed it was on Disney+. Plus. Um, and it's called Devs. And it's by the guy who is behind Ex Machina. And it's a mini series. It's only eight episodes. The main recognizable star in it is Nick Offerman. But I cannot stress enough that it is nowhere approaching a comedy. <laughs> if you are looking for a comedy from this, you are going to be incredibly distressed very quickly by this show. Um, it is like a kind of like Ex Machina. It is a a sci-fi show that is based in a very kind of like this is what it would be actually like sort of world. It's not like we're in the fucking Jetsons here. It's a very plausible, like, contemporary society just with this thing where there has been, uh, there is this company called Amaya, of which um, Nick Offerman is the kind of, like, uh, distant uh, maverick founder dude. Um and they are experts in quantum computing and have made breakthroughs in quantum computing that don't like that don't exist in the real world essentially i really don't want to tip the hat too much as to what the show is and what's in it oh alison pill is in it as well aka kim pine oh nice scott pilgrim versus world um as his kind of like number 2 in the company but essentially um we have a main character her and her boyfriend work for Amaya and the boyfriend gets promoted to this mysterious devs team which exist in their own building and no one knows what goes on in devs, what they are developing, anything like that, but they have a feeling it's to do with their quantum computing department. Um, And through circumstances... The boyfriend takes his own life, but Lily, the, who is our main character for the show, the, the 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 POV character, she has reason to suspect that there was foul play involved and that he was in fact murdered. And what then happens is kind of like a a snowball effect of like the conspiracy goes deeper. She's trying to figure out what happened to him what happens in devs uh while there's also external forces trying to come in and, and figure out like there's they're in the middle of being subject to like a senate subcommittee investigation on what actually goes on in there and whether their intellectual property and their technology should be acquired by the u.s government all sorts of things going on there and you also kind of like you know, ex machina, you have amongst the, the actual people who are making the thing that's going on in devs, you have a lot of moral and philosophical quandaries about, you know, that old Ian Malcolm thing is like, you know, we didn't stop long enough to see if we should do something like this. So they're worrying about like, what are the implications for the world of doing what we're trying to do and succeeding? Or what happens if we do it and fail? Um, It's only eight episodes long. 
the uh, episodes are just under an hour each. Like I said, it's all on Disney Plus, so it's fairly easily accessible. It's really beautifully shot. Again, kind of, if you remember how Ex Machina was shot, it looks very much like that. Um, The soundtrack, like, because it is like a thriller, it is fairly haunting and creepy as well. And the soundtrack is absolutely perfect for that. There's like a, a lot of really um, discordant noises and um, things being used for the score that aren't necessarily instruments. And it's all about being tense and oppressive. Um, and I think it really, really achieves that. Um, I like it's definitely it's from 2019 and it definitely is a self-contained miniseries there isn't going to be any more of it but it's probably one of the best TV things I've seen all year and people have really really slept on it because again it's two years old I already got round to it now um, and I've already heard this one podcast talking a lot about it uh, thorough thorough recommend for any sci-fi fans um, I suppose then we'll move on to Garrett. You've been watching Wheel of Time. Yes, which is Amazon Prime's new attempt at breaking into the Game of Thrones Lord of the Rings genre. Which, it, the, like, mm-hmm. I went to see, what did I go see? Some movie, but the trailer played beforehand. And I was like, all right, listen, I like Tolkien. I'll watch it. And it's very Tolkien. It's more Tolkien. It's, there's very little, like, sex and politics. It's a lot more your standard source and sor- sword and sorcery, like... There is a fated one who will destroy the evil one. We don't know who the fated one will be. We must find them. That's the show. It's, you've seen it a million times. There's things that look just like orcs. There's wizards. There's witches. It's it's uh, your standard Tolkien-style fantasy. And it's it's pretty good. Like, Rosamund Pike is the, the like one name attached to it. And if the, you want your Game of Thrones star, it has, uh, what's his name? Michael L. Hatton, who played Roose Bolton in Game of Thrones. He's in it for, like, two episodes. It's your standard, let's get a Game of Thrones star for the pilot. So people are like, oh, Game of Thrones guy, yeah. Uh, it's 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 pretty good. It's nothing special. I haven't watched the latest episode, so I'm an episode behind on it. It's... Uh, refreshingly, I quite enjoy a week-by-week release as opposed to dumping it all at once. So it's still a few episodes to go in the season. But it's it's very, like, cliched in a lot of ways. It's not doing anything you've ever seen before. It's not even doing it anything particularly interesting, but it's it's doing all the standard Tolkien-style, standard, like, fantasy-style tropes pretty well. I'm enjoying it. Where does it lead? Were you um, a Lord of the Rings guy, either movies or books? Yeah, because I would have been. When did it, that's twenty? Two thousand one, it came out. Says no one. Yeah, yeah. we just turned twenty. I saw a bunch of stories. So, I, like, I would have been nine. So that's like prime Lord of the Rings obsessive age. Yeah. So, like, end of primary school, I was just obsessed with Lord of the Rings. I tried to read the books, and I'm like, oh god, they're so dense. <laughs> yeah. He describes so many things, and I gave up on trying to read the books halfway through Two Towers. I'm just like, I cannot sit there and have you describe another tree, Jr. I just can't. Mm. I can't fathom it. But it's yeah, all the songs that fuck me off, like. There's just pages of songs. <laughs> Tom Bombadil. Yeah, I just come on, mate. Let's just let's just dispense with this, shall we? Like The Hobbit. Have you guys read The Hobbit? No. Yeah. Like that is a well-written tight book. Okay. Like th- yeah. there's not much chuffer in there. Whereas Lord of the Rings, he kind of goes off the deep end a little bit. I yeah. think. Yeah. I mean, I always say to people who have never read uh, 
Lord of the Rings is like, do you know what? You can actually just skip to chapter 10 of Fellowship when they're on Weathertop because it really doesn't get going until then. Like all the stuff uh, at Bag End, uh, you know, they're doing the stuff from Bilbo's party and shit like that that you recognize from the movies. But every time a character is introduced, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien is obsessed with going back 10 generations of their family. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> much. I don't necessarily need to know every waking detail of the Sackville Bagginses' lives. Um, but you know, no detail spared. But what I was going to ask you, Garrett, is like, so you're a fan of the, of Lord of the Rings, the movies at least, uh, if not necessarily the books. Uh, what does Wheel of Time leave you with any level of confidence about this upcoming Amazon Lord of the Rings show? Because I am just like, like to me, that trilogy of movies were, and still are, as perfect as you can do something like that in my head. And I kind of, I know we can never have things just stay as they are, but like, I don't actually want any more, especially after the fucking Hobbit trilogy. Um, and I know Peter Jackson isn't involved with this, but I don't really necessarily have, you know, high expectations for the TV series. Yeah, it does at least tell me they can produce like a replacement level Lord of the Rings show. Like you'll watch it and you won't be like, oh God, they've really shat on Tolkien's legacy here. What have they done? Like I I don't, I watch this and I'm like, oh, fair enough, it'll be a different creative team and all that. And like the Lord of the Rings show will have a lot more money, <laughs> a lot yeah. more money. But yeah, but even, like there's the story that they moved like filming out of New Zealand to the UK. So it's like, they're even going to take some of the, the visual aesthetic out of Lord of the Rings, which... I don't know. We'll st- like we'll see. Parts of England are pretty, right? Yeah, no, they are. But there's something very special about New Zealand, um, and and all of those landscapes and vistas that you get in New Zealand that you don't. I mean, like come even close to in the UK. I think half of the magic of the way uh, Lord of the Rings looked wasn't even Peter Jackson. It was just him pointing the fucking camera at a country yeah. that no one had ever really seen before in that much detail, and, right? And the fact that it was, like, so resplendent and so spacious that they were able to have the luxury of building a lot of physical sets that just blended into the natural scenery there. Like, Edoras looked fucking incredible in Two Towers. And that was just, like, they fucking rocked up to a hill in New Zealand yeah. and just lamped an entire city up just on top of it. smashed something like, on there, yeah. Like, well, they still yeah. have where they built, like, Hobbiton, haven't they, and the Shire Yeah, and that's still... That. Well, yeah, there's a few of those places that are still tourist attractions down yeah. there. It, and I, um, yeah, so one of my exes uh, did, a like, a round-the-world thing, and she sent me loads of pictures from it. And it looked like the set still and that woman Kate Blanchett Kate <laughs> <laughs> Blanchett's my ex well yeah that would be uh, interesting unfortunately not should I see if I can get her on the podcast yeah go on yeah. what to bump Garrett now he's <laughs> listen if Kate Blanchett wants to take my place I will happily let that happen <laughs> so she can take my place <laughs> Just me and Kate just reminiscing about our times. <laughs> about your <laughs> relationship. Yeah. It's just Kate Blanchett passively, aggressively dressing me down for an hour and a half every week <laughs> about why she's not with me anymore. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, sorry, there was a point to something someone was saying at some point. Yeah, modest, modest uh, trust in Amazon to not do something terrible, whether it'll be good or not, it's a different story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, The Boys is great. So they have well, like, at least one I, show that I think is really good. I suppose the the one thing where I was like, okay, I'm a little bit less worried about it is they're not actually just doing the trilogy again. They're doing other stories from Middle Earth 
Um, so because I think I think like even though like I definitely agree that you know remakes and stuff like that can exist and it doesn't like you know ruin the thing that already has existed for 20 years it doesn't walk into my house and steal my big gold box set of the extended blu-rays i have here or anything like that but at the same time i think if they released this series and it was just a retelling of the trilogy as was your brain can't help but at all times make a comparison um and it like it because it has such a treasured place in my heart, it would often, I assume, be an unfavorable comparison. And like that, that is absolutely going to happen in our lifetimes. Like they're going to do the Lord of the Rings oh, trilogy yeah. again. They're going to remake the Harry Potter movies. Everything that yeah. was successful in the like the first thirty years of our lives, they're going to do again. <laughs> and oh yeah, maybe they'll do it better. Who knows? Oh, like Lord of the Rings would be very hard to do better, but you know. They might. Yeah. They could definitely do that first Harry Potter film better again. Oh, having watched I, I like recently. the Chris Columbus movies. They're kids' movies. <laughs> they are, yeah. but... They are, uh, they are kids. The only problem I always had with those first two Harry Potter movies is that the kids themselves are absolutely yeah. horrendous actors. Well, Terrible. that and that, that first film is in dire need of uh, like a, a CGI uh, re, refresh. I, that's actually something that's surprising about the Lord of the Rings trilogy is that there's only like a handful of special effects where I'm like, ooh, that's that's not great. Yeah, there's the, like anything and, green screened during that movie. You're like, oh, oh yeah. yeah you're you like, can oh, see right. outline of yeah. people and stuff. Yeah. Mm. It's like the Matrix as well, where there's like there's two or three shots in the Matrix where you're like, eee! but the rest of it still looks, it looks pretty like decent. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to uh, by the way, everybody who did the score for the Harry Potter films after the first two movies, who were just like, let's just cut and paste John Williams' score. Job done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it is. Do you know what? That is a really good bit of music. To be fair, like it, you hear that music and it immediately kind of sets the scene of it. It's evocative. Yeah, it's it's um, that's that's a good composer right there. Yeah, so Wheel of Time, it's probably, that sounds to me, Garrett, very much like a stick on in the background while you're doing other work and you won't hate it sort of show. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, cool. That that sounds good to me. I'm looking for a couple of those shows. Um, let's move over to video games. And um, Mark, seeing as you had nothing for films and TV, you have been making up for it with video games. I, I could still go for 10 minutes about Dragon Ball Z abridged if you want. Like, uh, no, that, That's fine. <laughs> that's not necessary, man. Um, yeah, so I've got two things. Uh, I've been playing a whole bunch of Shovel Knight. Are you Knight. a Yoshi? <laughs> I've been playing a whole bunch of uh, Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon, um, which is the new game in the Shovel Knight universe, if you want to call it that. Um, this one is a puzzle game that is kind of somewhere between the the sort of falling down style Tetris slash columns type thing, um, but mixed within like with with some kind of crypt of the necro dancer as well. Mm-hmm. So like the general idea is you've got a uh, I want to say like a ten by ten grid might be a little bit bigger than that, um, and at the start of of a level. The first three rows are taken up with um, bricks or blocks, uh, enemies, potions, and as you move, every time you move, um, there'll be stuff that'll be falling down from the screen, kind of one uh, kind of grid square at a time. If you don't move, things will still fall down, but it'll be done at a lot slower pace, so think super hot. Uh, your objective is that there will be, at some point, uh, kind of a locked door. And there are also keys that are falling down as well with chests that you can open. And you need the keys to open the chests, obviously. 
Uh, but at some point, there'll be that door. So until then, you need to be clearing out this uh, this grid, this space. Um, it kind of works on, like, if you've ever played Hearthstone, where every time that you attack... Um, your card has like uh, an amount of offense and like hit points that it will take and hit points that it can give. And it's kind of said the same thing here where you can, um, as Shovel Knight, run into uh, an enemy and you might lose a hit point, but you might like do two hit points worth of damage. Um, and then this, you know, differs depending on if you pick up weapons and it entirely depends on the enemy and all the enemies have different um like status effects and like different kind of gimmicks to them some move around the screen every time you hit them some of them you can only hit once and you have to hit something else before you can hit it again so there's all of this you're trying to kind of keep in mind but it does a thing where um if you have a bunch of the same enemy on uh, kind of chained together regardless of how weird the way they're chained together as long as like they're connected in some way if you clear one of them Anything, any of the other type, same type of enemy that it's connected to will be cleared as well. So sometimes you might not be immediately trying to clear enemy straight away because you like you can see a bunch of falling and they're all going to kind of lock together. So you like might try and go do something else and then come back to that to clear them all in one go. And uh, it's it's really good fun. I'm having a lot of fun with it. It uh, you know as you, it has bosses as well that are kind of used the same sort of mechanics, but the bosses act in different ways as well uh, and they're really uh, smart in the way that they're approached and with Shovel Knight you know if you clear a boss you'll then unlock that boss to use and then so you have different characters that you can use and they'll have their own gimmicks as well um, so they kind of add more challenge kind of like if you've played Binding of Isaac how different characters use kind of come with different um, uh, challenges uh, passively um, there are different items that you can unlock along the way because you're collecting gems and those uh, items you'll then find throughout your like the next time that you play um, and so the game becomes like easier with time as you find those items those rare items that will then kind of start to unlock out chests uh, but yeah I've put like two I don't know I'd say I put about four or five hours in uh, and it's yeah it's really really good it's like 20 quid I think and it's like it's a perfect switch game uh, so it's really worth checking out how is this different from Shovel Knight Dig I never played that it's not out yet they're still making it <laughs> that's the difference <laughs> alright because <laughs> I, I thought this was Shovel Knight Dig which is I think a game Yacht Club are making whereas Yacht Club just published this right I, I don't know actually I just like I, I presume that they're just involved with, with all of them, but I haven't actually looked that much more into who's making what. Other than obviously, it's all under the Yacht Club umbrella. Yeah, because I remember Yacht Club Dig, and I don't remember this. Then this is released, and I thought it was Dig, but then they're like, "No, Dig is still coming out next year." And I'm like, "Then what's this?" I've not even heard of that. I didn't know what it is. I didn't know there was two different. Maybe they changed the name. Maybe it's just there's one game. I don't know. Well, because because you said Shovel Knight Dig and I'm immediately thinking what is that like a SteamWorld Dig type of game because I'd be on board for that I thought it was like a grid based puzzle game too which made me even more confused <laughs> is there two maybe Shovel Knight grid based puzzle games maybe they renamed it who knows anyway yeah the, the, the Shovel yeah. Knight universe is clearly very confusing <laughs> yeah it's I, I'd really just like a Shovel Knight 2 at some point as well to be honest but like you know they keep making these weird types of things and they all seem to work and I I didn't really think about it, but if you think about like the last five or six years, Shovel Knight has fucking like crossed over into so many other games um, that it's like it's like one of the bigger indie IPs that just is everywhere now. Um, 
which is interesting considering, you know, like it has no kind of character facial animations or talks or anything. But, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's really cool. Uh, I, I definitely say it's worth checking out. Uh, the other thing that I've been playing, I'm about three and a half to four hours into Halo Infinite now, which so far has been a, a game of two halves where the first half of it was really dull corridor type shooting um, that I was like, what am I doing here? Who is enjoying this? Um, it's it's kind of a slog with characters that I don't care about. And then it then becomes basically a like far cry open world infiltrate base camps blow shit up sort of open world style type of game Mm -hmm. and i don't know if it's a case of i haven't played one of those types of games for a while or just there's something about the way that halo's doing it but so far with that i'm having a really good time of it i'm really enjoying that that part of it I, th- I think doing that kind of game with something where, like, I always loved the, the feel of Halo games, even if, like, the, you know, the, some of the more recent entries, like, the, the story and the repetitiveness of some of the levels really get, wears on me. Uh, I still think the core gameplay feels good. Um, and, and being able to pivot that core gameplay into like basically a whole new genre of game like i kind of understand why that first couple of hours is there because maybe when you're making such a pivot you still want to be like we need to put some stuff in here that's like the traditional what you know this is just classic halo running around shooting some stuff for a while i kind of would have like you mark appreciate it more if they just went boom game starts here we go and it's like this from the beginning but i also probably understand that like we're not halo guys but any stretch of the imagination so maybe people enjoyed getting the band back together for that first couple of hours the thing as well is like i actually have never really enjoyed the the kind of the gameplay of halo like as a first person shooter now admittedly i haven't spent that much time with them but one thing that really annoys me, and even in the, the open world sections, the fact that you can only hold two guns or two weapons really does my head in. Because so far, the enemies I've come across, it's been pretty binary. It's either like, okay, you can just kill them with a normal weapon, or they have some sort of plasma shield, and so you need to use a plasma weapon first. And so the the kind of like the chess part of it that I think, uh, in comparison to something like Doom, it's really binary in comparison. But it's like, well, past that then, you know, if I pick up, like, a rocket launcher, there's no point in me using it because it only has, like, two, uh, like, rockets in it. And then I'm going to have to pick up another weapon anyway. I'd rather just have a weapon that has more ammo that if I get caught in a crossfire, I actually have a gun to use and I have the ammunition for. So that is, uh, that's been annoying me. But when you get into the open world section, uh, because you're usually when you end up in in a fight with a bunch of enemies you're on like a base camp anyway so there's more than enough weapons that if your one runs out you're gonna you know you're in a pretty good place to to find more um it's pretty tough like i'm only playing on normal but the first base camp i got to there was one section where uh, a couple of like these elite guards with energy swords just kept wrecking my shit every time to the point that i went you know what fuck this i'm gonna go do something else and because it's an open world game so far, uh, I'm afforded that luxury. Um, the mongoose, the vehicle that you have to drive to start with, it uses that. I, I, I'm 
I think Halo games have always done it where they control using the two analog sticks instead yeah. of having like a yeah. right. It's a really weird approach. It, it, it does kind <laughs> of work. It's kind of like it's kind of like it's dumb and it's broken. But I'm kind of like I almost don't want them to ever fix it. It's like, just <sighs> like there's there's nothing like okay when it happens a bunch of times it's annoying, but there's nothing quite compared to the hilarity of the first time you careen off a cliff, which a just camera. happened several times. Yeah, yeah. It, it just immediately as soon as I start trying to drive one i feel like i've been teleported back to like 2006 i'm like how how are you still using this control scheme to drive but it's not terrible and the the level design so far is is kind of it's big and open enough that you know it's fine um and i like that uh, only with the few areas that i've cleared so far i'm coming across more uh other um uh, what the hell, Spartans. Um, so, you know, they're jumping on the back of the mongoose and we're going off to clear out like a, a, an enemy base. And yeah, as I said, I'm only about three, four hours in and that that first two hours was really like, I'm, if this is what this game is, I'm not I'm not going to be sticking with this. But the the open world section so far, if it's that for, say, the next eight, nine hours, um, I'm happy to pick up the controller, blast through an hour of it, clear a base or two, Um and yeah, it, it just it doesn't have the kind of egregious Ubisoft. Here's a thousand icons, go clear it sort of thing yet. Like I'm, sh- there's still time for it to do that if it wants to. But um, but no, so far I've, I'm I'm enjoying my time with it. I I don't know if anyone else has, has got to it yet besides Dave. Yeah. Nope. No, I haven't. I haven't touched it yet. No. Yeah, I've been really enjoying it. Um, I think it's it's a cool. It's something I wrote about in my Game of the Year article. Um, Halo's not in there. But is how much this year I've come to savor and appreciate the game you can pick up for half an hour, blast away through a level or two, keep your brain switched off, and, and there you are. And even the linear sections of Halo are great for that. But yeah, when it opens up and the game reveals what it is, it's actually the perfect short, fun session. Like, I was... I was really enjoying the multiplayer beta, the little bits I played. Um, my only problem with it is that I'm horrendously bad at, at online multiplayer shooters. So I was like, I really want to play more of how this feels to play, but less of the me getting dead within a few seconds part, which I'm not enjoying all. All right, Dave, pro tip for I, I, that. Turn your console on Christmas morning. And you'll get a bunch yeah. of children who are playing the video game for the first time. I, I thought you were going to say the Christmas tradition of all the servers being down on every platform, yeah. so you could just play offline all day. I have done this with Splatoon myself, where on Christmas morning, I'll play like an hour of Splatoon, because there's a bunch of kids booting up the game for the first time. I'm like, I'm Monster. so good at this game, look at me go! Uh. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I tried some of the multiplayer and um, it immediately threw me into a capture the flag uh, level and I have no time for capture the flag, so I immediately switched it off. Mm. Um, so I, I, I think they're, they're making some tweaks to that kind of stuff because I just want to play some like team deathmatch. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't want to be... I don't care about the progression system. I don't want to do all the challenges. I just want to play some team deathmatch. Just give me that, you know? So, yeah. Um, I guess I'll uh, I'll go next, and uh, I have been playing pretty much 
like with the exception of the usual palate cleanser of FIFA in the evenings, uh, I have been playing wall to wall Psychonauts 2, my friend. Um, it, it is part of my game of the year catch up. Um, and like it's the one game where I'm like, I really want to play more of this. And it's one of those games where the more I play of it, the more I want to play of it. Um, man, that game is so fucking rad. <laughs> like, where, where are you up do- to with it? I am the. I think I'm the third last area. I'm Lucretia's Lament. Okay. Um, which, according to the what I did, is I looked up the chapter titles to see how far I was along, and that's the third last area. Um, I, I think is it Fatherland Follies? I think is after. And then Grilovia. Right. Uh, I wish you'd gone to Fatherland Follies so I could talk to you about that, but um, yeah. hopefully... Well, I'm literally right... I was literally right about to leave to go there, okay. I think, um, when when last I played. Um, but fuck, man, like, Jesus. Um, Double Fine and Tim Schafer, mad geniuses. Like, I, you know, I've been a fan of their work, and Psychonauts, the original, was one where I think I've said it on, on the show before. It's like, I played a little bit of it. It's a charming little game. Uh, back in the day but it kind of it never hit for me in the way that obviously you know I've rant and raved enough about how much I love Grim Fandango uh, on here and that was my absolute fucking jam uh, to the point that when it got re-released on PS4 I went and platinum that shit which for a point and click adventure is not necessarily the easiest thing in the world to do um, but I am just like I feel like every couple of minutes I am legitimately wowed to the point of vocalizing it on my own in the office at the boundless creativity of this game like every environment is so like full of detail and so well and and thoughtfully crafted and you know every type of enemy has its little interesting quirk and every power that Raz has is is cool in a different context and the wit of the game is very funny all the characters are you know to some extent or another interesting the game never rests on its laurel on its laurels of being one particular style of thing the art style and what they're asking you to do changes up so regularly so often um i i said cuz this is in my game of the year list that like if psychonauts was a like an animated tv show when i was growing up i would have been fucking obsessed with it i mean honestly like the soundtrack alone at points sounds like a uh like a a warner bros um saturday morning tv show at points you know it's so good it's got like a it's got a banger of a voice cast in it it's like there are very, there is very little I can poke a hole in about this game. The only thing I would say is that may, like, maybe it's a little, I don't know. At the start, I wasn't feeling it quite as much. Like the first couple of hours, I was impressed by the things that it was doing technically. I enjoyed the the story and the style of the game, but it was kind of at the the good but not great level for me personally. And then I kind of go back to it, and as things start to open up more, and as the main kind of like through line of what you're doing in the game reveals itself, it just becomes more and more moorish to the point where like i am 
I want to see absolutely everything this game has to see right now. And some of the stuff, you know, like when I was like, there was, there was one particular part of the game where there was a couple of fetch quests and I was like, "Mm, maybe I'm getting a little tired of this again. And then it goes into a section. I will say nothing except for the fact that it's a section involving you at a music festival trying to get a band back together where it, it the animation style completely changes. Yeah. But yet still feels cohesive to that world. Still feels cohesive to that world. It's probably it and maybe the section after it play with impossible space in a way that like I not only am I awed by the beauty of the art but I'm also like on a technical level how the fuck does some of this stuff work yeah you know what I mean um and yeah just like just a gorgeous game and like so incredible that you know Psychonauts always had its, you know, it's it's kind of like it was a cult classic. And the fact that we even got a Psychonauts 2 is kind of amazing. And the fact that it came out and had no fucking right to be this good is also incredible. And I feel a lot like how I was talking about devs earlier. I feel like this game came out and maybe because it was on Game Pass um, and like a hundred million things come to Game Pass all the time. Maybe because it's a sequel to a cult classic game rather than a big new shiny thing that appeals to everybody. But for whatever reason, I feel like people have slept on this in a, in a wider sense. Like when I'm seeing now, like obviously we're getting ready to do our game of the year, but game of the year polls and, and um, articles are starting to come out now. And this is one of the games that I'm seeing being like surprisingly underrepresented not that it's not there but it's not as omnipresent as i necessarily would have expected i i think um i was listening to uh i want to say it was the bombcast this week and and gersman made the point that like for a lot of people psychonauts 2 is going to be like the second favorite in a lot of categories you know they might have their standout favorites but then psychonauts 2 is going to be consistently there just below um which means that obviously it's not going to kind of stand out anywhere, and you know that that can happen, unfortunately, um, with with certain games. But yeah, like I, I'm in agreement with you when I, I spoke about it, and, and now and the for me, like you you spoke there at the start about just this kind of endless ongoing. Uh, creativity and every few moments like something new kind of pops and it kind of it reminds me of um like a mario game like a a 3d world where you get that new thing every couple of minutes Mm -hmm. but it's that but as this kind of like big action adventure game instead um and there's there's part of me that's not used to getting nice and original things that in the back of my head is thinking guys you're throwing out about three games worth of new shit here (laughs) In one Psychonauts game. It's like, they are just not holding anything back. Yeah. But it surprised me as well, because I, I think possibly the, the slow start is that, for me, I was kind of expecting that it was going to be, okay, here's Raz, here's a Psychonaut now, let's go on some wacky adventures. And the game is just not that. Like, you kind of think that it might be at the start, but then it, it does this whole 180, and, you know, is there's a, a real kind of, like, personal story to it, and... Mm. Um, it's just, 
it's not the story that you think it's going to be. Um, yeah. And so there is kind of a bit of a slow burn as it builds up the chapters and builds up the the kind of moving parts of what is actually going on till you get to like the end and, and what it does with that. And it's a very satisfying payoff. They do a really good job with that. Um, and so like, and it's not essential that you play the first, but there are some parts to it where it does kind of help to have the, the kind of like, yeah, just the 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 knowledge, the understanding of what happened in the original, you know. Yeah, there's definitely like there are mo like I I think by and large the prologue and some of the flavor text and some of the interactions between the characters does a good enough job of filling in most of the gaps. But there are like you said a couple of moments in the game where I feel like I'm playing catch up a little bit on the significance of a moment or that maybe the moment really would have landed harder for me if I'd been with these characters for longer um but you know that's like really minor quibbles at the end of the day have either of you guys played Psychonauts 2? I played about the first two hours it ties into what I played when I'm trying to do my game of the year catch up and Mark sent me a note being like well you know game of the year coming up in a couple of days I'll murder you if you don't submit your thing on time his exact words uh, <laughs> yeah yeah that sounds like, I was like there was two games I wanted to play there was Kena Bridge of Spirits and there was Psychonauts and I got like two hours into Kena and then got sidetracked and never got around to Psychonauts which I did play about two hours I finished up until the end of the casino level so I'd like a, a decent like sampling of it but probably nowhere near what the game entirely has to offer but I, I will get back to it I, I feel like the up until the casino feel kind of feels like the prologue of the game like it kind of really feels like things open up actually after the casino which is kind yeah. of crazy because that 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 is like the first two three hours of the game and there's like a whole bunch that goes on there but it, yeah it really feels like the yeah not even like the first chapter but like the the, the prologue of the first chapter in some ways it's funny, like, because, you know, um, something I've thought about a lot this week is the are the boss battles in the game. Um, because I, I was trying, I was in my head comparing it to another incredibly artful and creative game that we've talked about a lot this year that I was playing recently in The Artful Escape. And, you know, a minor criticism I have of that is that if you're looking for challenging boss battles, it isn't the game for you because it's just variations on Simon Says. Whereas... For a lot of these boss battles in Psychonauts 2, you couldn't get more disparate in what they're trying to get you to do, you know, for some of them. Like, yeah, there are your standard kind of like, you know, your blast away a boss, but there's one entire boss sequence where the setup involves you making a series of recipes. That's all I will say. And I'm just like, I'm going through this and it's tremendously entertaining and all the characters are really well designed. There's like adorable little food ingredients and stuff like this. And I'm just going through this actually going, what the fuck is going on here? Like this, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, Cause it's like, it's not even so much a boss fight to begin with. It is, yeah. as you said, it's kind of like a boss sequence. It, yeah. It's kind of like, you don't realize it's the boss until the second sequence. It's yeah. like, oh, right. Okay. We've uh, we've had some good boss fights this year. We've had some good games with good boss fights. Yeah, yeah, for damn sure. Um, Speaking of games with good boss fights, yeah. Gareth. Oh, hell of a second. Yeah, so I was doing my game of the year catch up. Uh, I finished Guardians of the Galaxy. Shockingly good game. Really enjoyable. Best pleasant surprise this year. Finished Bravely Default two. That game keeps on ending. It ends. Roll credits. You keep playing. It ends. Rolls credits. You keep playing. It ends. It rolls credits, you keep playing, and then you beat it again, and you finally beat the game. That game shows you its that credits four times. 
<laughs> Speaking of Lord of the Rings. Listen, like Peter Jackson is like, listen, you should show a little restraint here, guys. Wait, is is yeah. that like trying to do some sort of like fucking near automata thing where it's kind of going meta and like... Or, or is it just like, hey, just here's more story to tell afterwards? It's kind of like the idea of it's like it's a bad ending and then you just hit click continue and you keep on going and you defy fate because every JRPG is about defying fate at the end of the day, isn't it? Right. And then you keep on going until you get a good ending, quote unquote. Uh, so yeah, and they like, they play the whole credits three times It's and they're unskippable. You just have to sit there. It's like, all right, I'm watching the credits of Bravely Default 2 again. But it's a good game. Um, finished unpacking, delightful little game. And then, as I said, I had two left. I had Kina and I had Psychonauts. And I had this sickness that if I watch somebody play Hades, I must then play Hades. <laughs> so this is this is because of Snowball. Yeah, so it, it happened to me in like November with Barry when Barry randomly played uh, Hades on stream, twitch.tv slash BarryLad. And now Snowboy's playing a bunch of, of Hades on stream, twitch.tv slash Snowboy with four eyes, I want to say. I should know that. Um I think it is four, with four yeah. eyes and i just I, it's a sickness it worms its way into my brain and like i've beaten this game i think like 40 times at this stage i have like 40 completed runs Whoa. so like i put a lot of time into this game but even like playing it this week i've discovered mechanics in the game that i did not know were there which is like mine there's a whole like button press mechanic like you press a button and a thing happens that i did not know was in the video game i've just been playing this entire video game without it beating it so many times without it it's like my god this game is just the gift that keeps on giving <laughs> it's uh yeah i know you'll find a kindred spirit there in mark robinson i i've not played a single minute of hades this year um partially just because like between college and like i've played a lot of different games this year um but they're all is, games is it in that like uh, pantheon with cuphead and stardew valley that you don't play it because if you start i i actually did download stardew valley um the other week just to kind of fuck around for an hour or two but yeah um i think with hades like hades is more immediate where stardew valley because it's quite a slow burn um, it does actually take a while to sink its teeth in. I know if I started a run of Hades tomorrow, then yeah, I'd be back in straight away. It's just, it's so like just immediate in how it grabs you. Um, yeah, I think I kind of want to go play some Hades over Christmas. Now. It's a sickness. <laughs> Thanks, it's Chris. a sickness. Yeah. It just gets in your brain and you're like, oh, well, I have to do a Hades run. And I did like a 16 minute run in Hades. That's like, good God. <laughs> yeah, I think wow. it's going to take me a while before I get back up to, to that sort of speed. Yeah, this is going to be one of those things like uh, Mark has done before, where he gets like into comp. Is it Jack? Is it you and Jack had the competition on trials to keep outdoing each other? Oh god! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was one of the first like times where um, I kind of encountered like you know online competition, and of course it was Jack. First it was trials, then it was SSX. Yeah. Or but- uh, you, you and McGee playing through Cuphead at the same time. Was we playing? Remember when, yes, when yes. you were when you were playing it on my Xbox, and I was just tweeting him every time you beat a boss, and he just when got you were angry because, up on him. Yeah, yeah, because I think he'd been playing it for about a, f- a few days, and I'd already caught up with him. But I remember, um, I think I've told this before on the podcast, but when um, SSX the the demo for that came out, I spent like about two three days nonstop for those two three days 
trying to get my my, my laptop down because I think they had, if I remember, they had the, the leaderboard even for the demo. I might be wrong. They did, it and we, we like... kept shaving like fractions and fractions off of each other's time yeah. for the con- for that entire two or three days. I'd like log back onto my PlayStation and see you've beaten me by like like one second and been like shit, I have to beat him again. And like I, you know, I would fucking kind of nailed down my times in that. I was taking every corner. I was just playing it. Like, as, as God intended. And then I come on one day, and, like, somehow Jack had knocked off seconds. Like, just more time than I could see any way was conceivable. And it showed you, like, the ghost of their their um, their your quickest lap time. And I see this motherfucker had, like... So the game had, a, like, a wingsuit that you could use. <laughs> and he'd found a way to basically just exploit the game and just fly down the course with this wingsuit, just avoiding actually using the snowboard. The wing piece. The wing piece incident. And, yeah, it ruined the game because... Like, every quick time that you would see online in this game, you would look at the ghosts of the best people and, like, they just fly most of the level, do a little bit of snowboarding, and then take off and fly again. And it just killed the game. I was like, well, this this sucks. Like, I like... It was it, it become a new Pilot Wings game. Essentially, yeah. I, I like the idea of having, like, one or two levels where you have the wingsuit, because then I think it adds, like, another wrinkle of, like, a different type of race where, you know, there are intelligent ways to use it like if you flew to a certain point then touched down and then took off again you would get like a different angle to fly across to another part of the level right but to have it available in every racing level just completely cracked that game and that ssx remake that on ps uh was it ps3 i think it was it was ps3 and yeah it was really really good apart from that massive game breaking feature which pretty much <laughs> made me stop playing it after about a month or so Same. yeah but uh but yeah hades great yes, game my hades is great game of the year. so there you go um it was yours as well mark was it what's that hades was your 2019 game of the year wasn't it hades was last year was it last year no that was was it last year hades, was I thought it was hades, was, hades last year. was absolutely last oh, year no, you're, right, you're right you're right in, uh, did it come second or third oh. in our game of the year last year it came so that's third. my yeah. 2020 game of the year i think fire emblem three houses was my 2019 game of the year <laughs> i spent this week on the the aforementioned hill walk on the way up uh one of the the young people knew i had a switch and told the other young people and they were all like oh what would you play on switch and i kept going paradise killer some have said it's the game of 2020 <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! No, the 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 game that finishes third is always the most Mark Robinson game of the year, though. Usually, if you go back through the archives, it's yeah, it's Cuphead, Hades, except um, uh, Stardew. No, Stardew didn't make it. Stardew, I think, was like maybe the last one we knocked off. But we how we did you agree three. to cut Stardew? That must have been like I hadn't really played it yet. No, I just mean Mark. I, I, like I, I feel like that's yeah. like a, a member of his family that was lost in. The- well, that was yeah. 2016, if if I'm yeah. correct. Do, what the hell was Doom? 2016? Doom, Hitman, Doom, and Hitman. Oh, and that was before I played oh. Hitman as well. And it was super hot. Yeah, super hot. Oh, oh yeah, super, super hot. Great. Wasn't getting beaten for the top three yeah, that yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. I think the the two things I always think back on old game of the years that I would probably redress now is that I probably would have pushed harder for Stardew Valley. And there was a 100% chance Cuphead would have won game of the year. I, I tell you what, when we get to our 10th year doing this podcast, if we make it to that stage, 
um, when it's just uh, Kate Blanchett and Garrett. Um, I think what we should do is is we should like kind of go through those years and then just sort of see like do like a champion of champions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah and just see yeah. what what we but- think comes out on top. Stardew was never going to make it because you and Barry had the the super hot vote. So, like, as much as you like Stardew, yeah. you was going to go super, super hot. Super hot rocks, then... though. I mean, that it, and it is quite a Mark Robinson game as well. Yeah, oh, no, super hot is great. Yeah. Like, I have no yeah. issues with super hot. But also, like, 2017, I'm sorry, Cuphead was never going to win because Breath of the Wild came out. Yeah. Oh, shit, yeah. yeah. And Odyssey. Like, okay, so... Like, Cuphead was my game, but at the same... Like, I'm not going to fight with Breath of the Wild, you know, so... So then maybe it might have finished second and Jack never would have spoken to us again. Yeah, but you, yeah. Need, to, you need to show Odyssey <laughs> some damn respect. That is such a fantastic game. <laughs> Do you know what? Oh, I, I why was are thinking... we re-legislating this? <laughs> like, we need to save our energy. I, I was thinking, because uh, I was I was writing down, like, starting to write my notes for, for um, everything for, for Game of the Year, and I was talk- like writing my notes for Bowser's Fury and about the things that I don't like about it, and I was kind of thinking... Maybe I should actually just go play Odyssey again because when I I tweeted about my disappointment, Garrett made the point like, "Hey, just do Bowser's Fury with Odyssey controls," mm-hmm. and I was like, "Yeah, maybe I should actually just go play Odyssey again mm-hmm. and see." Because I I did enjoy my time with it, but it just didn't resonate in the way that it seemed to do with everyone else to play. It's that the game. 3D world controls. I'm telling you, it's is. the 3D world controls. They don't work for the open world format. They don't. They absolutely don't. Yeah, that's that's the biggest issue I have with Bowser's Fury. Uh, it just it's those controls are not applicable for that style of game they're trying to do with it. Yep, yeah. play with the Odyssey because that's what I switched to right away. And yeah, Odyssey, I'm sorry, Mark, it is a very good game and I think maybe... But I'm not saying it's not a very it, good it, game. I know it's it, a very it, good game. Mark, stop shitting in Mario's <laughs> open mouth it's like me. on this podcast. <laughs> it's like me and Tetris all over again. It's unbelievable. Oh, Jesus. No, I think what you said, it was, it was like a 7 out of 10 game and I still do. I, I would... I, I still think I could imagine. Did how you that, say yeah, that? That's what he said on I the did. cast. Yeah, <laughs> and I probably egged you on because I wanted Breath of the Wild. To you probably egged. I, I was like, yeah, yeah, Mark, twist no, the knife. You egged him on because you knew that that was breaking my soul when he was saying that. <laughs> I, I will say, I will stand here on the record, say that I uh, I regret making that comment, um, but I will still need to <laughs> go and play the game again to. You know. My my favorite thing is uh, six to eight hour deep into uh, game of the year, Mark Robinson, where he just wants to end it, so he starts just torching people. <laughs> yeah, but I think we all get to that point right. where the game of the year yeah. madness just sets in. Oh, it gets very punchy. Yeah. Anyway, let's do a whistle stop tour of uh, a couple of news stories before we hit the road here. The first one. Uh, doing slightly better than our respective YouTube channels that we mentioned earlier. <laughs> um, Minecraft became the first game this week to pass one trillion views on YouTube. Uh, Mark, Mr. Social Media. Uh, this is a pretty big one. And it's one of those that like, you know, I'm noticing now that I think maybe Fortnite was the most recent one where there's like a heyday where this thing is like, like just unspeakably massive and then it kind of like not that it goes away like it's still very very popular but in terms of like its presence in the zeitgeist I feel it's starting to wane a bit somebody pointed out to me this year that like they were trying to get their kid who just got into Fortnite like Fortnite merch uh, for Christmas and like it's 
not that it's impossible, obviously, but that, like, last Christmas, you couldn't fucking move for Fortnite merch in every shop you went into, even if it wasn't typically a shop that sold video game merch, whereas this year, she had to go actually physically fucking looking for stuff. Do you know what? Uh, it is in shops hard. this year. It is insane, but Squid Game merch. Like, I've gone past loads yeah. of bric-a-brac shops in, like, London and, like, little touristy things, and there are so many of, like, the plushies and the Squid Game outfits and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I just think, like... These are the sort of things that you're usually targeting at kids who are like Fortnite age. Are they fucking watching Squid Game? Because if they are, no, it's it's probably it's just but, there's a very like striking visual tone to Squid yeah. Game. So yeah. I, you know, I think a lot of it is but just based on it, that. Here, here is my point that I was arriving at: is that you know these games, you know, come and go in terms of like peaks and valleys of popularity. Yeah. Sure, but like. Minecraft is just this consistent no, monster. I was, I was kind yeah. of hoping you were going to say like that. Like, it's still <laughs> fucking enormous. Because I was like. actually working up the ire to have a real argument with you, because you're right, it has just stayed at that level for that entire time. Like, you know, yeah. kids of every age, all of these all of these years, have, have been watching and playing Minecraft. Teachers are still like, interacting, like, primary school teachers are still interacting with kids via Minecraft in classes now. I- I have young people in work in some of my groups who like their first years in secondary school and literally as long as they've been able to hold a controller in their hands, they've been able to play Minecraft yeah. and they're still playing it. Yeah. Do you mean they sit around and they do, you know, Switch has like the the the, the wireless LAN parties basically where they don't have to connect to Wi-Fi. They can just connect to each other and go into their own like server on minecraft and play away and like these guys like they've been play- like i said playing minecraft since they were toddlers and they're still nowhere near sick of it the, that's incredible there's a specific stat that like kind of validates what we're talking about in terms of um the popularity not waning is that uh it, it, youtube they said that it took about eight years for this community to generate 500 billion views but then it only took another two or so to double that and hit one trillion so I think that says everything. There's know? going to be yeah. like multi-generations of people who are extraordinarily wealthy based on Minecraft. Like we have oh, like the, sure. the yeah. first generation of Minecraft content creators, which are just humongous and very wealthy. And there's going to be multiple generations of these people. Yeah. Uh, is it one of the rare times where you're you're kind of a little bit glad the the massive multinational corporation bought out the developer because, <laughs> now, because yes. not yeah. not just such a shit heap that like Microsoft is the baby face here. Yeah, and yeah. And, and, and like has did he give up his right to get any more cash from it as well? Yeah, yeah, you know he sold the oh. IP. Yeah. I mean. He's doing okay. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. I he sold it for like four okay, billion or something like that. I'd yeah. Still, that just it, like it, yeah, his great grandchildren will never need to work a day it, in their lives. It still like, makes me very happy that he's not getting any more money from it. At least, yeah, as it kind yeah. of still exponentially grows in popularity. I I know because I've kind of like been in and out of Minecraft over the history of this podcast. We've talked about it a lot, but I, I guess Garrett, I've never talked to you about Minecraft. Are you a guy who? played it has kind of uh watched from the outside or you know uh what's your kind of minecraft there history? was a summer i want to say it was 2014 where i got super into minecraft instead of studying for college exams naturally which is a reoccurring mm-hmm. theme in my life there's like in yeah. the like may and june of college exams i was like i'm gonna do a pokemon rewatch yeah. i'm gonna do a digimon rewatch yeah. i'm gonna do anything it- but study yeah, if you do like a blankety blank with that sentence and replace like college exams with master's thesis and Minecraft with West mm. Wing, 
that that happened to me. It's it's fun to distract yourself from horrible bad things. But yes, I usually yeah. start like a really long video game right when I needed to start doing revision for like uni yeah. exams. <laughs> and that and that, my friends, is how Lord John Marbury was quoted <laughs> in my uh, my thesis. Uh, but uh, I wonder how I can fit in when I do my uh, end of year game project next year. How I can fit Taskmaster into it? Well, I mean, you could make a fucking video game based off a of Taskmaster. So they should make a Taskmaster. Oh my god, game, why has they? no one made a Taskmaster video game? Mark, learn how to do that in immediately so we can make no, a taskmaster no, video game what you probably won't have like a video game of taskmaster but what you'll probably have is one of those um uh like pub coin uh arc, you know the art what the hell they like the fruit machines or something or because i remember playing like crystal maze like one yeah, of those or, kind of like crappy interaction things it'll probably be like that or what about like um jackbox meets taskmaster well, I was going to say something like, do you remember that? What was that quiz show that people used to log in at a specific time of the day? Do you remember on their phones? That one that was really big oh, for, for a while. Oh, for real money, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That you could do something like that. Um, but yeah, sorry, Garrett, you were saying about uh, one yeah, so, summer. Yeah, so I, I, I had a summer fling with Minecraft, and then I played it like once on Wii U when they released the Super Mario thing. Remember that? So I was like, I'll look yeah. around that because they have like the music and the sound effects, and it's all very pleasant for my brain. And yeah, that's no. I, I did watch one Minecraft series. A YouTuber called Peanut Butter Gamer did a series called Minecraft Hardcore, which was they right. he'd get like eight other YouTubers in there, and they'd set a task to complete, kill the Ender Dragon or whatever. And if they die, they die for good. And basically, they try and finish it. Which that's the only series I ever watched of Minecraft. But yeah, it's it's mm. just a cultural behemoth, isn't it? Yeah, I, I tried to, I suppose the only, like, relevant to this story, the in terms of Minecraft YouTube, the only thing I ever consumed was I was watching for a while the series Farlands or Bust, where this YouTuber, I can't even think of his name, is trying to walk from the center point of the PC map to the point where the code breaks <laughs> down, like, at the edge of the world, which is, like, if you've ever seen how big the PC worlds can be, it's fucking enormous so like ha- a half hour a day he just walks in a straight line <laughs> yeah because he's conquered the known world and he wants to move into he's the been other. Do- he's been doing it for years and i don't know if he's made it yet <laughs> is that actually what the matrix is i it hope they be. i'm gonna find out december 22nd i hope they keep updating the game making it slightly larger every time he gets closer <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I kind of hope that yeah, someone's gimmicking and they're just going this into like his the- server overnight and adding like another few miles onto it. Yeah, it's those guys driving the car slightly further away from home where he <laughs> catches up and they drive on a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other news speaking story of having- really popular things, unfortunately. Yeah, so this is a game. Roblox is a game. Like I've heard the name. I have absolutely no never played it never downloaded it never watched or consumed any content to do with it but again loads of young people i know and work with are constantly on about like whenever you go what game, kind of games do you play because that's usually like you know by way of going all i'm not i'm not just like I, i'm not just some boring adult like i i play games i know these things it's to ask them what kind of games they play you're constantly all- just shoving paradise killer in their face i have yeah yeah 12 year old <laughs> you played paradise killer just look at dr doom jazz he's completely appropriate for your age oh yeah, you yeah. like roblox i actually um, build paradise killer inside of roblox for you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah i built perfect 25 come on in um yeah like this is a game that like i hear so much about without 
actually knowing anything about it. People are like, oh yeah, yeah I just play Roblox. Me and my friends, we play Roblox. Um, so people make games, uh, which is a kind of like a games criticism and documentary channel. Um, is that the one by the guy formerly a video gamer? Yeah, it's uh, Chris Bratters. Uh, and yeah. uh, he's a guy who was also on um, Call Ghost as well. Um, Eric, Eric Quinn? Eric Quinn? I can't remember his name. But he was the guy that actually um, is the one that presents this video in particular. So they presented this video um, running an investigation in the developer of Roblox with some concerning revelations about child safety. The channel previously ran a video accusing the corporation of exploiting young game developers. The company has since asked People Make Games to remove that video, but instead new developments have come to light concerning the safety of children on the game platform. Roblox is a game platform aimed primarily at children and allows them to create their own video games for others to play. I'm learning this now as I'm reading it, by the way. Uh, through monetization, they can earn virtual currency named Robux, which can be converted to real money. The new People Make Games video includes a number of stories concerning child safety in the online platform. For instance, while Roblox began as a way for individual developers to create games, it popular, its popularity now means the entire development teams are making games for the platform. Not only does this run Contrary to the platform's original aim of allowing individual children creative freedom, it means many young designers are leaving the platform to join development communities through social media. These are entirely unregulated by Roblox because it didn't happen on Roblox.com. This means children could be working for another company outside of Roblox, dealing in entirely unsafe practices without contracts. Sometimes these companies are run by children themselves. Further, because of Roblox's structure, individual users can take unilateral control of a game's revenue with no outreach program by the platform for developer abuse. They didn't respond directly to questions from People Make Games, but did say Roblox takes reports of abuse very seriously and where a violation of our standards is found, we take action on our platform against the Because accused. every yeah. social um, media um, company that says we take violations of our bloody blah seriously yeah. definitely yeah. does. There, there so, is a copy and paste uh, template for that for, for every online platform. Yeah, we have seen this... Uh, countless times before where the essential argument here from the developer is didn't happen on our watch it's not our problem there's this pointed like part of that statement that says um we take action on our platform so they're going like they're immediately disavowing any responsibility or blame for these kind of situations that start off and are because of their platform but maybe take place in forums or chat logs or wherever off of their platform now i know you know you want if you want to play devil's advocate it's a tough thing to police thoroughly um but also um that is not, you know, just because something is hard doesn't mean you shouldn't fucking try your best to do it, um, especially when you are involving the possible exploitation of children, the possible, you know, XYZ of children, uh, revenue shares being unilaterally taken away by people, things like that. Uh I'll put it this way, guys. For someone who started this article not knowing a whole lot about Roblox, uh, it's some really seedy shit now a few paragraphs later. Believe me. me, it gets even worse, though. Like, I would really recommend watching the video. It's about half an hour long. Um, and it's actually a follow-up to a video they did about Roblox about four or five months ago. Um, this that, is the one that they've tried to get taken, that the company have tried to get taken yeah, down. Me yeah, me and Mark, we, we yeah. spoke about it, didn't we? Um, 
three or four months yeah. ago. Yeah, and it, it it sounds like things have not improved and have in fact got worse. Yeah, it got worse because like now um, they had like a bunch of people that have been either abused in, in in a number of different capacities in regards to this platform came forward to like tell their stories. Um, and, you know, again, that's just like scratching the surface because the report kind of continues on and talks about that, like, one of the issues that the game has is that it's basically got kids gambling. Because um, yeah. one of the draws of the game is that you can, you know, dress up characters in virtual outfits that are sponsored by brands and celebrities. Um, these cosmetics can be bought by other Roblox users with the virtual currency, um, often for extortionate prices, depending on its demand. And that Roblox, like, they'll initially sell them for five or ten dollars, but these prices can rise up to like fifteen grand. And Roblox takes a thirty percent cut of these sales. Um, and like, the store page has like a graph of price changes, so it's basically it's acting like a stock market, you know, that's being used by kids. And there's like a black market as well. Like, there are a bunch of different websites with um, that are kind of linked in with this, and it's just. It is, it is, it's a hellscape. And, you know, I often think about if I ever had children, how long would it be before I'd allow them any, anywhere near technology? And like, I've added at least another 10 years onto that now. Um, You know, they, they get a Nokia 3310 um, and it can't connect to the internet. Yeah. It's one of the interesting things that gets complicated over time, because I think in, uh, I think in isolation, like when you take the internet, aspect out of things i've always thought you know going back as far as the fucking jack thompson era the effect video games have on kids is dramatically overstated by some hysterical charlatans um it's very much a case-by-case basis depends on the kid um for me uh but yeah the the way the online nature of gaming is growing and mutating and not being like properly moderated or watched um for for things like this is troubling to me in a way that like maybe i wouldn't go you you can't have uh you can't have a playstation until you're already uh graduated college married and moved out my house uh (laughs) and more that like maybe for uh the first few years of this uh child of mine's video game career they would be playing a fucking airlocked console yeah (laughs) that has never connected to the internet here's the thing right so like Working in the industry and working adjacent to a lot of the sort of trust and safety stuff that that is uh, is crucial when you're working with any game where you have online functionality. Like, it's not the easiest thing in the world to make sure that you're in control and that you have an eye on everything that happens. And, you know, as big as the company I work for is, Roblox is at this point bigger than Nintendo, you know? Yeah. It is... um, it's astoundingly, it's crazy how big they are. First of all, because um, it seems like it's kind of come out of nowhere. And second of all, like, we are people, the four of us, hey, we do a podcast about video games, and we don't know a thing about Roblox. You know, yeah. it's it's such a, yeah. it's hit that generation, you know, um, underneath us. And like, for us. The young people. The young people, absolutely. The funny thing is, I, I just learned, looking at their Wikipedia page, Roblox predates Minecraft. 2000, yeah. 2006. I know, it's crazy. <laughs> like, it's insane. Wild. And like, you know, you talk about like, like games are getting more. <laughs> that, be- that means I- I've been over the hills since <laughs> yes. I was 17. That's great. <laughs> <The youngins. laughs> I don't think I've ever been below the hill, to be honest. So, 
No, I've never even seen the fucking. But like you think about how these games are getting more predatory, and like you can't be naive. Video games have always been predatory. Like arc- arcades were predatory. That's the, the whole idea is the one yeah. more quarter. They were just kind of trying to get quarters out of yeah. kids. That's like the foundation of the industry was predatory. But like when you include just mm-hmm. everything that comes with the internet, and then add all that on top of like the like substandard moderation and the predatory nature of a lot of these video games and how they're monetizing these games, it is. It's like the content. Who cares? Like, kids shooting people in games doesn't make them killers. We all know that at this stage, except weird people. But, like, this stuff, this does, like, just prey on kids in ways that I would not want my kids to be exposed to. Because we've had, over the last five, ten years, um, if you think back to the the CSGO lottery uh, shenanigans a couple of years ago, like, this has been an ongoing thing now about exploiting kids in a and and they kind of point out in the video they're like look kids are smart but there's a couple of things you need to keep in mind they have no understanding of money and they make bad choices so they will find a way like if if they want that hat that's worth five grand you know and they have somehow access to their parents card they are going to purchase that hat and that is a very bad they have not yet developed impulse control at that age either no, I, like now, I, I will say that is the same of a lot of adults. I know. <laughs> I am thirty three, and I really had to sit there and convince myself to not buy that analog pocket the other day. All right, or that Snorlax Christmas jumper. <sighs> Mine's in the post. That well, that required Maria coming into the room and tell me, Mark, please, yeah. no. We need it's to, so by Christmassy. the way, we need to have a moratorium on mentioning the analog pocket because I also came close this week, and I feel like <laughs> if the two of us started talking, we'd both end up with pre-orders. So we just never talked. I would have called one. I missed yeah. the pre-order, so there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Sell me on this analog pocket, then. What's uh, it? The no. Game Boy. It's a high definition Game Boy, and it plays Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, Master, uh, uh, Game Gear games. The screen is massive and it's crystal clear, and it's just the form factor on it is just. Do mwah. these things come preloaded on? Or are they like? No, no, you, it no, uses you just physical get an EverDrive. Ah, okay. Ah. You get an EverDrive and you can load it with. Whatever. It does have a micro SD slot, so yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, uh, yeah, Roblox <laughs> is awful. Yeah. Uh, right, that's going to do it for a jam-packed Link to the Cast for this week. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Um, at Link to the Cast, where you need to go on Twitter to keep up with the show as it's posted, to uh, chat to us about, um, you know, what we've been covering, what you've liked, what you'd like us to cover, what you'd like us to have a look at in terms of playing, anything like that. Uh, who's your favourite Garfamon? We definitely all want to know mm-hmm. that this week. Uh, all of them. <laughs> Individually, I'm at the day to Dave. Mark is at Lithium Project. Jack is at Jack Lazell, and our new permanent co-host is Garrett at Garrett Kidney uh, on Twitter. Uh, thank you all very much. Uh, we will not be speaking to you again before Game of the Year, so enjoy that as uh, friendships are truly tested over this festive season. But until then, have a very merry Christmas, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye bye. 